Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022, Ash Wednesday, actually comes to us from the Reverend Nadia Bowles Weber. It's a sermon called On Truth, Dust, Babies, and Funerals that Reverend Bowles Weber wrote for Ash Wednesday in 2014. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Our scripture reading this evening is one lone verse. One lone verse from Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. The verse most associated in the church and in popular imagination with Ash Wednesday. God said to Adam and Eve, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Friends, may God take the seed of this word and plant it into our hearts for a harvest of justice, peace, and compassion. Amen. This evening, I am dependent wholly on the Reverend Nadia Bowles Weber for our reflection on Ash Wednesday. You've heard me quote her before. She is a Lutheran pastor. She is a freelance evangelist for the national body of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Before that, she was the founding pastor of House for All Sinners and Saints Church in Denver, Colorado. She is a former stand-up comic, a former bodybuilder, and her Twitter handle is the Sarcastic Lutheran. And she has delivered what I think to be one of the definitive sermons on Ash Wednesday, all the way back in 2014. It's called On Truth, Dust, Babies, and Funerals. And it's my privilege to share her words and her spirit with you and to take a share of it for myself this evening as well. When we enter into her words. People who think Ash Wednesday is depressing totally don't get it. I mean, I understand why confessing our sins, marking ourselves with ashes, and reminding each other that we're all going to die isn't exactly Disney on ice. But it's not depressing. If anything, it's refreshing. It's refreshing in a way that only the truth can be. Because we know deep down that we live in a death-denying culture, which tries to tell us that we can live forever with the right combination of exercise, yoga, vacations, and elective surgery. With enough money, you can stretch, inject, massage, and vacuum out enough skin and fat as to appear that you have not actually lived each day of your life consecutively since your birth. And it's all very tempting especially to me as a middle-aged woman. 
Yet we all know that after buying into all the anti-aging solutions society has to offer, you won't actually be younger. And you won't actually look younger. You'll just look kind of shiny and misshapen, which all feels like a metaphor for all our pathetic attempts at immortality. So it's a refreshing thing we and Christians all over the world do today. We gather to remind each other of the truth, to remind each other of our mortality. We tell each other the inescapable truth that we are dust and to dust we shall return. It's downright audacious that amidst our social anxiety about impermanence, we just blurt out the truth as if it's not offensive. The thing about blurting out this kind of truth about ourselves is that after you do it, you can finally exhale. It's like the moment when you stop having to spiritually hold your stomach in. Because all the while we are denying the truth, God is delighting in it. This is what we hear in Psalm 51. God says, indeed, you delight in deep truth within me and would have me know wisdom deep within. The psalmist rejoices that God wants truth for us. The thing is, this truth we speak tonight about our mortality is only offensive if it's heard as an insult and not as a promise. It's only offensive when it's heard as being the last word. You are but dust. And it's not. It's not the last word. The same is true about confessing our sins. I've said it before, but it bears repeating. People who think I'm some crazy liberal are always so shocked about how much I love to talk about sin. I think liberals tend to think admitting we are sinful is the same as having low self-esteem. And then conservatives equate sin with immorality. So one end of the church tells us that sin is an antiquated notion that only makes us feel bad about ourselves, so we should avoid mentioning it at all. While the other end of the church tells us that sin is the same as immorality and totally avoidable if you can only just be a good, squeaky clean Christian. Yet when sin is boiled down to low self-esteem or immorality, then, oddly enough, it becomes something we can control or limit in some way, rather than something we are simply in bondage to. The reality is that I cannot free myself from my bondage to sin, the bondage to self. I cannot, by my own understanding or effort, disentangle myself from self-interest. And when I think that I can, I am basically trying to do what is only God's to do. So to me, there is actually great hope in Ash Wednesday. A great hope in admitting my mortality and my brokenness. Because then I finally lay aside my sin management program long enough to allow God to be God for me, which is all any of us 
really need when it comes right down to it. And this God of which I speak is nothing if not a God of hope and promise. Here's the image I have of Ash Wednesday. If our lives were a long piece of fabric with our baptism on one end and our funeral on the other, and us not knowing what the distance is between the two, well, then Ash Wednesday is a time when that fabric is pinched in the middle and held up so that our baptism in the past and our funeral in the future meet. With these ashes, it is as though the water and words from our baptism plus the earth and words from our funerals have come from the future to meet us here today. And in that meeting and mingling, we are reminded of the promises of God, promises which outlast our piety, outlast our efforts in self-improvement, outlast our earthly bodies and the limits of time. No week in recent history has been as real to me as this week. Yesterday, I stood in a small restaurant on 6th Avenue and preached at the funeral of a 29-year-old man who took his own life, a man I'd never met. I don't generally agree to do weddings and funerals for those who are not part of this church community, but Billy was queer and an artist and suffered from bipolar and addiction So it felt like he could have been one of us. So I stood and spoke of love in Jesus. And I looked his mother in the eyes and said that God is always present in love and in suffering. That God was present both the moment Billy entered this world and the moment Billy left it. We are dust and to dust we return. I did not know yesterday that today, 19 hours after standing in a funeral of one child, I would stand in the birth room of another. Less than a day after preaching about love and suffering and Jesus, I held Duffy and Charlie's baby, Willa, in my arms and thanked God for brand new life. Then her parents asked for ashes. For them and for baby Willa too. I pressed ever so gently into her brow, onto this brand new skin that had only been exposed to air for a few precious hours, and said that even she, full of beauty and hope, and just hours from her mother's womb, even she will return, return to dust and to the very heart of God. Then I knew. I knew more than any other Ash Wednesday in my life that the promises of baptism and funerals, the promises of birth and death are so totally wrapped up together. For we come from God and to God we shall go. And oh my gosh, there is so much that gets in the way of that simple truth. And it is times like funerals when all the other BS just doesn't matter anymore. 
So Lent is not about punishing ourselves for being human. The practice of Lent is about peeling away layers of insulation and anesthesia, which keep us from the truth of God's promises. Lent is about looking at our lives as deeply and clearly as possible with Christ as a companion. It is during this time of self-reflection and sacrificial giving and prayer that we make our way through the ever-grown, overgrown and tangled mess of our lives. We trudge through the lies of our death-denying culture to seek the simple weighty truth of who we really are. Lent is about hacking through self-delusion and false promises. We let go of all the pretenses and the destructive independence from God. We let go of defending ourselves. We let go of our indulgent self-loathing. Then like the prodigal son, we begin to see a God running with abandon to welcome us home. But we cannot begin to see this God until we hack through our arrogance and certainty and cynicism and ambivalence. The psalmist says that God delights in the truth that is deep in us. The truth. Therefore, there is no shame in the truth of who we are. The broken and blessed beloved of God. There's no shame in the truth that our lives on earth will all end. And that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. It's not depressing. What's depressing is the desperation of trying to pretend otherwise. What's depressing is to insist that I can free myself. I just haven't managed to pull it off yet. What is so wonderful about Ash Wednesday and Lent is that through being marked with the cross and reminded of our mortality, we are free. Reminded that the God of your salvation, the same God who created you from the very earth to which you will return, the very God of Moses and Sarah and Abraham is also God for you. This God delights in the truth that you are God's very own redeemed sinner, beloved in all your broken beauty. But if you choose to come forward and receive these ashes of repentance and this oil of gladness and to hear the promises that you are dust and to dust you shall return and that God loves dust. Know that this is the truth and that the truth will set you free in a way that nothing ever else can. Friends, I give thanks for the word of God that I hear in these words shared with us this evening. Amen.